Unfortunately, due to some technical issues, we're not going to be able to put out either on YouTube or on podcast feeds the Four Dudes Go Bowling stream that we had up on Twitch, so we apologize for that, but you are going to be getting another episode of Miru. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Playing With Myself on the Internet, where we are playing Miru. The first two episodes have been absolutely crazy as far as they could not be more different. The first episode exhibited all of the brutality of this game, the difficulty, the survival, the resource management, and how close and how dangerous starvation is when you set out in this game. The second episode was completely different, where my character had a few lucky breaks, got some equipment, and it made all the difference when he went up against some tough enemies and managed to eke out some wins and get some more gear. So the positive feedback loop was really, really good in the second session. The second session ended with us going around back towards the radio tower where we completed a puzzle, which helps us against all future robot enemies and the robot god itself. And we arrived at our second village, but also we dealt with the day 25 cutscene, which saw the massive robot god lurching around and walking through the forests and mountains where we are. We saw it towering above the trees and realized just as we were starting to make progress and feel pretty confident in what we could do, that thing is still going to be a serious challenge. But revenge burns in our heart for our fallen brother. At the hands of a Buster T-7 we dispatched last week. And now we have found our second village nestled in a forest in the corner of the map, right next to the radio tower. Actually, it's funny, there are two different villages basically on either side of this radio tower. I assume they must be in contact with one another, but let's see what the second village builds on from the first one. So like I said last time, as you find subsequent villages, more shopping options become available, more quests obviously are available to the character because every time you reach a village there is a quest that is associated with it. And as we learned last time, that tavern deal is incredible. So looking at village number two, we can buy the second tech skill, which is called Roll and Wire Slice. We also have access to treasure maps and the ability to get strongbows and laser swords. But thanks to my luck last time, we already have one of each of those. We also have 30 bitlets, so the treasure maps are probably going to be something that I'm going to pick up. I can also still buy everything from the first village. So if I needed to pick up food or more arrows for my bow, but I think I'm good right now. I've only shot the bow once, so I've only lost one arrow. And don't worry, I know we're four minutes in and it's a shopping episode already. I'm going to do this super quick and we're going to keep moving. So long story short, in this village, I'm going to buy the tech skill for roll and wire slice, which grants us a plus four to attack power, but only works against robots as I roll behind them and slice some of their wires with a melee weapon. I'm also going to buy the maps 1 and 3, because looking at them, 
I don't know if I'm supposed to look ahead, but they're both to the northeast of where I am, and it avoids having to figure out where to replace the hexes based on where I would replace them, because currently I'm in like a corner of the map, and you can do a hex flower kind of directional thing. But this way, I can put them right next to one another, actually, the way it works out, and I can go get two treasures. And obviously, I'm going to accept the quest. But let's play this up a little bit and think about how I would roll into this town, this village, and how it would go. When I first walked in to the mountain village to the northeast, to the east of the radio tower, I think my character was nervous. He was obviously incredibly relieved because he'd had an incredibly hard time up until that point. He needed food, he needed rest, he needed weapons so badly he just fled from the Buster T7 that killed his brother, but that village turned everything around for him. He did the quest for the young woman who was looking for her grandmother's jewelry box. He went to the radio tower and came back, and they were all happy to see a traveler come and go, you know, share some bitlets, share some stories, help some people out. I think this forest village is going to work pretty much the same way. He's going to walk in relatively confident that these people would be around to help. And when he tells them, oh, I've been in the area before, you know, I went to the radio tower, I think that they assume, oh my goodness, you've been up there, you've done things, and for a long time now, it is day 29 of this adventure, it has been four weeks of my character in just a dissociated revenge quest. But now it's almost like sometimes you come down from things and go, what was I thinking? But my character, they've reached a point here where they have found that they are capable of taking down threats they probably never thought they could. And mentally, they've come to terms with the fact that what they've seen is both terrifying and terrible and needs to be changed. Not just for his brother and revenge, but for everyone he's met so far. So like last time, he comes in, he explains he's looking for, not weapons this time, but anyone who can help him become a better fighter. And maybe he frames it too like, I'd like to spar with some of your villagers. Anyone who's willing, anybody, any of your fighters. I need to stay sharp. Along the way, he also has a few conversations about other travelers who've been through here. And basically, they've started a custom of, oh, where have you been? Was there anything interesting there? And why didn't you take advantage of it or what have you? So that's the justification, I think, for maps in game. It says here, travelers pass through villages and occasionally leave behind notes from their adventures. So that's how maybe I've heard a few rumors and they mark the map I've been keeping. And unfortunately, I was just looking. I don't have enough bitlets to do Fight Club. So I say, oh, I'd like to spar with some of your people. And they look at me and I have a laser arm and a strong bow. And they kind of look at me and go, uh, I don't think you need our help, but best of luck. But because 
I look so intimidating. That's why I think someone approaches me with their quest. And Quest 2 says, When we were kids, we'd sneak off and play in the woods, uh, around one tile to the east of here, in the forest. There was an old greenhouse, and inside it was a glowing little tree. We got caught sneaking out, and we've never been back. Can you go see if it's just still there? So a tile to the east is the impassable desert now, but there is forest to the southeast, and if I do follow that hex progression to replace it, it would actually be two tiles to the south. So I'm taking that quest, which will put a forest two tiles to the south, and then unfortunately, obviously, the two other map locations are to the north. So we're going to do a little bit of backtracking, but again, you go somewhere, you do the quest, you come back to the village, and I can get my reward. So let's see how that goes. We're going to start day 29, heading down through the forest and revisiting a location. That has become very powerful to my character, which is the warehouse with the Buster T7. After I defeated it and stole its arm, I would love to think that maybe in the charred remnants of this warehouse that went up in flames, I took the time to almost erect a warning monument if the god ever came through here. Oh, and that reminds me, I have to roll to see where the god goes from its current location, which is luckily quite a ways to the northeast from me at the start of this. But it appears that it is moving to the west, so getting closer. However, I'm staying far away and moving to the south, so maybe it's lucky. Hopefully that it doesn't keep moving west, because then it'll be in my map areas. But we'll see. Now, as we discussed last time, I'm traveling through a previously explored hex, and it does have an event, so I don't have to re-roll to see if another one happens. So that was day 29. I will rest, eat some food, and then we're heading into a forest to the south of that to see if we can find a greenhouse with a glowing tree. This has been a strange session so far, because I haven't had to roll for terrain. Even though I'm entering a new hex, I know what it is because of the quest. It is a forest. But we arrive, and I'm going to read the prompt, which says, As you're following the notes the guy gave you, just past the tree with his initials carved into it, you find a small moss-covered glass greenhouse. The shrubbery and vines lay claim to this relic now. You push through the door and hack your way through the greenery that's consumed the interior. In the back of the greenhouse is a small, glowing bonsai fruit tree. There's one fruit on it, and you obtain one engineered plant. Ooh, interesting. And there is no encounter here. I just happened to go check out the cool greenhouse and find a glowing bonsai tree. Nice. And I will just probably not eat that fruit this night. I'm luckily stocked up on food, so we're going to save that glowing fruit. Maybe that guy wants to eat it. And once again, we are just moving along. We sleep in a cool, mossy greenhouse. I eat some of my other fruit and wake up in the morning familiar with the area, which is strange. Now, I could continue heading south, and it would be unexplored hexes back in the direction of my original village, but that's not my goal here. Plus, I do have information from previous travelers that there's interesting things to the north, and I've yet to see any sign of the god. Let's roll to see where the god has gone as we mosey back along to the village on days 31 
and 32. Oh boy. Well, right now the god is in one of the grassland tiles to the northeast that I'm planning on visiting, but my character does not know that because they are back in this village. I return with the glowing bonsai tree and the engineered plant, and it says here, if you return to the village and show it to the guy who sent you on the quest, he'll tell you that it looks cool, but that's definitely not the same plant he remembers. He lets us keep it and gives us five bitliths for the trouble. And those five bitliths are immediately going towards training, roll, and slice. So, as before, when you are in a town, there is the fight club. You spend five bitliths, and basically you can train a skill up to, I think, four. And basically the way it works is, I roll a d6 and try and roll, at the beginning I'm trying to roll a one. Then I can roll a one and a two, etc. But every time I roll, my opponent also gets to take a hit at me. And based on whether it's even or odd, I might take some damage. So let's see. Five bitlets, I give it to it. And you know what? Just to flavor this, because I come in looking so crazy, I'm just using my hunting knife with the sheath on it. So I'm not dealing any damage. It's mostly just about landing blows with this roll and slice. But I think that a few of the villagers, I say, try and swarm me. You know, eventually I'm going to come up against a swarm. I'm going to come up against multiple opponents. I need to be able to fight in all directions. And I believe because I have two tech skills now, I actually roll two d6 when I'm attempting my tech skills. So I have two d6 to attempt to roll a one and succeed on this. So let's see. I'm going to roll two d6 to see if I get a one to improve my roll and slice. I fail on both of those and my opponent's swarm me, but luckily I don't take any real damage because I rolled an even. And I'm just going to keep trying this until I get it up to tech skill 3 or 4, depending on how much damage I take. Let's see. Failed the second time, and I take 5 damage for my trouble. Finally get it on the third try, but I'm taking another 1 damage, so that's 6 total so far. I get it again on my third try and don't take any damage. And I get it again on my fourth try, so I've got this already trained up. I'm getting very used to the balance of the roll and swipe. So I've got that trained up to tech skill four, and I only took six damage, so not bad. I think that during the training, the multiple villagers that I was fighting are all impressed with my abilities. Also, obviously, this isn't just me beating up a bunch of people because I'm doing this for a person. I'm doing this against the robots. I think I let them know about the things that I've experienced in fights and try and help them be better prepared if things were to come here. And just to recover, I'm going to spend the last of my bitlets to get a wicked good meal and a good night's sleep at the tavern. And, you know, just hang out with some of these new village people here in the forest. I wake up in the morning on day 32, bidding everybody farewell, telling them I'm heading to the northeast beyond the radio tower. And I hope to see them again someday. Let's see where the god goes. The god is in the next hex over. I think from the radio tower... We talked about how it's in the mountains, how it's kind of 
perched up on a high area, I think I can see it rustling the trees on the mountainside in the adjacent tile. I don't know if I have the guts to go after it yet, so I'm going to spend a little more time skirting around it, but now that I have eyes on it, I kind of want to, like, follow it until I'm ready to strike. However, I lose it around a mountain ridge, debating whether or not I chase it. Instead, I look to the north over the two tiles of grassland before me that come down from these mountains, and I know there's more to be explored. There's more information out there that might help me. As I head into the grassland to the northwest of me on day 34. And you know what? Just because this is a map tile and I know it's grassland is one thing, but I think I'm going to roll 2d6 to see if there is an event prior to me exploring it enough to find out what's on the map. So let's see if we get anything. I got a 9, which is an encounter, and a 4 on the encounter. So let's see what happens. As I'm exploring this area of grassland, I step over a crushed chain-link fence and walk past a tank with a bent cannon arm. I trek across a field littered with robot body parts and pieces of human bones. Continuing past the war zone and through a hole in the side of a brick building, I explore a very damaged armory. Rusty blood stains the walls, and I find a bag in one of the lockers. It has two bitliths, a meal bar, and a survival book. In the back office, I find a whiteboard with maps and photographs taped to it. In black marker, it says, Hit the power supply with an EMP, in large letters. As I turn to leave, I run into a seeker canine that has been tracking me down all morning. This is a smaller robot, so unfortunately I turn around and this thing, I hear the gears start and it jumps at me. So as always in Miru, enemies attack first, so I'm going to roll to see how much damage it does. I rolled a 4, which is good for 3 damage, but because I have good armor and a shield, I managed to knock it aside, and I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to attempt my new roll and slice. I get 2d6 to this, and I have to roll a 4 or less on one of them. In order to do it, it will deal with my new laser sword, which for the first time I pull out, and the thrumming electricity that is just coursing through this arm that was previously attached to the Buster T7 that killed my brother. I'm going to use it to avenge him against every robot I come across. Let's see. One of my D6 was a 1, and 1 was a 6, so the 1 does succeed, and I managed to roll and slice this Seeker Canine from behind. The Laser Sword does plus 8 damage, and the roll and slice adds 4 to that for 12 damage. Minus its one defense, easily overcomes its ten hit points. This laser sword cuts through its robot brethren. Oh, not to mention it had two less hit points because of shutting down the radio tower. And for a moment I pause and just think that was too easy. So in addition to the small amount of bitliths, the meal bar, I can't wait to see what's in this survival book. 
I get to roll 2d6 to see what I get for rewards from this Seeker Canine. And I rolled really well. That's uh, an 11 on 2d6. Which would allow me to get either the special reward for the Seeker Canine, which is two spare parts, or I can get six more meal bars. I don't see why this thing would have meal bars, so just for the sake of it making sense, I'm going to grab two more spare parts. And as I spend the night here in the armory, looking out over what was previously a battlefield, I'm sitting up on top of the building, on the roof, looking out over the grasslands. Oh, and I spot what's on the treasure map. I totally forgot that I came here because of the treasure map, so let's see what treasure map number three has for me. Oh, that's too funny. It says you find a small metal hut with a rusty lock inside a bunker full of expired foods and one survival book. So that's really funny. I was here. I found a survival book. I think maybe there was like a bomb shelter nearby if this was like a war zone, right? So I see it from atop the roof of this building, this armory, and I make my way over to it, break the lock, go inside of the hut, the rusted out hut, and find another survival book. This might have been like a military base or something. So I spend the night down there, close the door, get a good night's sleep, and read this survival book while I eat a meal bar. And that was already day 34. We are cruising through this week as we finish our fifth week tomorrow, heading east into the adjacent grassland hex and pursuing the other note on our map. Oh, and according to the item catalog in the back of the book, Survival books unlock tech skill number four, which says EMP grenade. Ooh, that's awesome. For two EP, I can toss my taser at a robot and heavily stun it. It inflicts plus three stun. Which means that at the beginning of that enemy's turn, I roll three D6. And if any of them come before, they don't do anything. Nice, I got a new tech skill. That makes sense, right? It's uh it was an armory, it was some kind of war place, so and there was a note about hitting the power supply with an EMP. And I think that is referring to the day 25. It's referring to one of the cutscenes, I think, the one where I slammed my taser into the warehouse and started on fire. But if not, noted if I see anything with a power supply, I know how to throw my taser at it. And whenever I use any of my tech skills now, I get to roll 3d6. That's pretty great. All right. Traveling into the grassland tile to the east. Let's see where the god goes. It will be two tiles to the southeast of me, but there are mountains between us, so I do not know its presence. Unless maybe there, it scares out some birds and I can see... Flocks of birds kind of flying above it. But you'd see that in the mountains anyway, so... Let's see if there's an event in this grassland tile. I rolled a five, which means we found our third village, everybody. Oh my goodness. See? I knew there wasn't a reason to just chase right after that god. One more village, and now we have even more options ahead of us. Probably another tech skill. I mean, I'm broke right now. I have no money, but... I can at least maybe... Oh, I can't even afford the tech skill. But, noted. So there's a village here. 
in the grassland tile where I learned something from one of these maps. Let's see what it says. You find a rusty train cart out in the middle of a field. The blast marks on the outside lead you to believe whoever was here last left in a hurry. You find improved camping gear. So every night I will now heal even more just on a regular night's sleep. All right, I think it's time to track down this god, guys. While I can't afford the tech skill, and luckily I don't need much more in terms of gear, I am actually starting to run a little low on food. I can at least accept this last quest, or the third quest of four. It says here, My cousin went missing a few months ago. I think a magic hermit may have killed him and sucked all the marrow out of his bones. What? You can identify him by his light shoes. Last I heard, he was going on a personal rock climbing challenge one tile southwest of here in the mountains. One tile to the southwest is the radio tower, but there are mountains to the southeast, so I'm just going to pretend it's that one. It's kind of funny how bunched up our villages are. You'll see it when I post the picture of my hex map, but there's actually three villages and they're all within like two hexes of one another. And I'm broke, so I can't stay anywhere, but I got my improved camping gear. I can't afford the tech skill three, which is jump and attack. But I might as well go to the southeast, which is where we're saying this rock climbing trip was, and pursue the god on day 36. Roll to see where the god goes. Oh, I just realized that the mountains here, this is the other village. So I'm just going from one village to the other on this one. Eating my food, traveling among places I am familiar. And the village is in the mountains, but obviously the whole hex does not encompass the village. So I do kind of go a roundabout way and see if I can find like a climbing face or anything like that. And it says here, as you walk uphill through a mountain landscape, you see a small sign that has a cryptic barcode language on it. You can't read it, so you keep walking, only to see another sign that looks similar. You continue forward a few steps when a giant rock falls in front of you. A small robot wearing a cloak and carrying a cane cackles at your predicament. He tries to talk to you, but it just comes out as glitchy bloops and white noise. He hands you two meal bars and a pair of light shoes. <laughs> I'm just getting geared up, guys. Changing my shoes, been hiking for five weeks now. Yeah, definitely feels good. Helps me run away more. He motions for you to put the shoes on. You do, and he starts laughing again. He steps back and hits the rock with his cane. It starts to move forward. You don't hesitate, and you start running. Soon enough, the massive boulder is rolling after you. Realizing you can't outrun it downhill, you jump to the side, just in time to watch it continue on and obliterate several large trees. As you catch your breath, you look up to see the little robot, but he's nowhere to be found. It dawns on you what might have happened to that guy's cousin as you look at your new shoes. This is funny. It says, Mark this tile as impassable on your map so you don't accidentally run into this asshole again. Obviously, I can't do that, but we'll say that I cannot approach it from the north because this little robot douche. It says here, If you return to Village 3 to tell the guy about his cousin, he'll give you five bitlets for your troubles. And while I could use that towards getting the tech skill, I don't think I'm going to. That little robot just pissed me off. And I know there's a bigger robot that I got a problem with. So I spend the night, once again, get rid of another meal bar. I am down to four meal bars and three fruits. I have zero bitlets, but I am armed to the teeth. 
We are starting day 36. I have full hit points, full EP, three tech skills, and I'm pretty close to this god. So let's see what direction it's moving in the morning. Further to the east, and I am following. For the first time this session, we are a half an hour into this session, I finally get to roll new tile stuff. Here goes, rolling 4d6 to see what we find in this new tile. We get a 4, which is grasslands, and roll a 6 for ruins, and the ruins that I got were 2, which says here, nuclear bunker. In the middle of a field, you come upon a small concrete block with a steel door. The door opens when you push on it, and as you go down the stairs, you hear a motor sputter and turn on. Small lights flicker to illuminate the space. Inside are shelves full of canned goods and survival gear, untouched and clearly not useful to whoever made this space. You find one survival book and five meal bars. So obviously the survival book. I know this EMP move now, but I will take the meal bars. And we are cruising. I feel like we are cruising through this session. We're going to start day 38 and continue moving to the east, hopefully cutting off this robot god. As it is traveling, lumbering, it makes huge strides that seem like it would be impossible to catch up with. But my character in these grasslands might be able to see it. I have no idea actually what the terrain of the tiles are to the southeast of me, which is where this robot god is. But let's see where what direction it's moving in. Uh-oh. Okay, actually, uh-oh. Oh my god. It heads to the northwest, and I'm heading to the east, which means that we are going to be in the same tile. Oh shit, did I just trigger boss battle? Did I just trigger... Uh-oh. Time to read. Okay, so... We are going to be in the same hex, which I think means I have to confront the god. Thanks to the work I did at the radio tower, it will have 10 less hit points, which brings it down to 40, with a defense of 5. Its attacks deal a ton of damage, and only because I'm reading this page with its stats, I can see that the day 50 event would help me even more. But you know what? I can always try and run away. It has an escape value of 6, but because of my light shoes, it goes down to 5, so I can always try and run away with a 6. Let's, yeah, let's see how this goes. Let's see what the terrain is, where we're going to face off with this robot god for the first and hopefully last time. It is desert. The pavements of the past, this robot god. The hellscape that it has ushered into the world. And I see it. Every footfall hitting pavement and dried land, kicking up plumes of dust. At first, my first instinct is just... run. But I heft. My Buster T7 shield, my hacked minor shield, I feel the pulsing energy of the laser sword on my hip. And I stare up at this 40-plus foot behemoth of metal, and I pull my bow. Now, per the rules of Miru, the god attacks first. As I draw my bow, knock an arrow, and take aim, 
like the visions I've had before, it's almost like I hear that female robot voice in my brain. And I falter for just long enough that this thing gets an attack off. A shockwave as it slams its foot, and it deals as much damage as it can with a 6 on the die, which deals 13 damage. Minus my 5 defense is 8, which brings me down to 12. Well, that's about the worst start I can imagine, but I'm going to shoot my bow. And unfortunately, I can't use any of my tech skills for it, so I'm just going to be dealing the plus 6 to the attack, so it'd be 7 damage if I hit. Which I do, because I don't have to roll, because I'm not using a tech skill. So, that is 7 damage, minus its 5 defense is only 2 hit points away from its 40, so it's down to 38. After realizing how ineffectual this bow is going to be, I've taken the hit from the shockwave, but using the dust plume that it kicked up to use cover, I'm going to attempt to run in and close the distance. This time I rolled lower on its damage. I only take six, which brings me down to... Oh no. That brings me down to six hit points. And unless I roll a one or a two on its next attack, I don't think I can... I don't think I can beat this thing. I definitely don't think I can beat this thing at this point. I've gotten too close, and basically, I thought I was safe in the plume of dust that it kicked up. But out of nowhere, just a massive metal arm sideswipes me, partially lifting me up in the air. Thinking quickly, I grab my taser, which is going to deal additional damage, I believe, because of my... Oh, my Allura deck should have given me plus one attack versus all robots, so it did take one more damage, and I'm going to attempt to deal 11 damage and stun it with my taser. And I'll try my tech skill to add plus four to that, so I'm going to roll 3d6, hoping to get a five or less, which I definitely do, which makes my roll and slice fully trained. So this is going to be 15 damage against it, and stuns it. Minus its five defense is 10, bringing it down to 28 and I have a chance to negate its next turn if it rolls a 4. Let's see if it does roll a 4. Here goes. It does not, but it rolls a 2, which only deals 3 damage, meaning I'm still up with 3 health. But I'm realizing how absolutely overwhelmed I'm going to be by this god. I'm going to attempt to use the laser sword to slash the metal and run away, I guess, but I don't get to do that till next turn, so... Oh, gosh. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to do the... Oh, I already used my taser. I can't attempt the tech skill 4. That's one use a day. Oh, I, ha I actually have to try and run away, don't I? Alright, I have to roll a 6 on a d6. Here goes. I rolled a 5. That is not enough. Oh! But I just looked up light shoes to make sure that I understood this right, and it actually adds one to my defense, and it allows me to use tech skill 5. Wow, I really should have looked up light shoes first. Tech skill 5 says sprint tech, minus 2 to escape, low as any. Enemies escape by 2, not 1, so I'm going to use the 2 EP. Okay, so I actually do manage to escape thanks to my light shoes. Wow, I really should have looked at those more, but amazing. Okay, I managed to survive. <laughs> and run away 
back to the grassland hex adjacent to this. I've done the damage. It is going to sustain that damage, so it is down to 28 hit points if I want to go back after it. I am down quite a bit of health and energy from using my tech skills there. But another rude awakening for my character who is just confronted with how fragile he is, how fragile his brother was. This god, the Buster T7 was one thing, feeling confident against the canine, but then seeing this god making the foolish decision to rush it, he barely escapes with his life. I think that it almost offends him and infuriates him even more that as he is running away, scrambling to get away from this god, it does not pursue. It holds its gaze on him, but lets him run. And that is a rough day 38. Retreating to the grassland hex, where I just found that bunker. I rest again. Four health, four energy from my improved camping gear. I will also eat three of my meal bars to bring myself to 16 hit points. And roll to see where the god is. <laughs> it follows me into this hex, but in the morning, I hear it coming, and I'm going to... I'm going to make it chase me. I'm heading northeast. Am I going to roll our 4d6? We get desert, ruins, a rocky landscape, showing little life of its past and parking lots and shopping malls. And our ruin is number three, which says an Alora obelisk. Being chased by this robot god now, I make my way through a dry, rocky trail through an old riverbed. After a few hours of hiking, a feeling grows in you to move east. You follow the feeling and come upon a glowing obelisk surrounded by trees and plenty of shade. You place your hand on the black rock and are overwhelmed with happiness and peace. You are back to 20 HP and 20 EP. Starvation and sleep, deprivation, reset to zero. We've had one of these before, I think in the forest. A woman's voice echoes in your mind. I am always with you. After five hours or so of standing in complete bliss with your hand on the obelisk, you take a step back and wipe away the drool from your mouth. It stops glowing, and you camp near it that night. You have a dream about a woman with four eyes as she holds the head of her creator and talks to him. Very strange. After those five hours in coming back out of this stupor, where I have been communicating with the obelisk and clearly the robot god, I nervously look back in the direction I came from, where I know the god was pursuing me, and I don't see her anywhere. Let's roll to see which way the god has gone. It is head. It's gone back into the hex where we had our initial battle. I'm not going to follow just yet, not feeling confident enough in my abilities as we begin day 40. 
and I'm going to attempt to make more space between us. I'm heading to the northeast. Rolling 4d6. We have mountains. And the event is an 11 for an encounter. And the encounter is 2, the phoenix. As you walk among the base of a steep hillside, you notice above you a pack of Buster T5s climbing the side of the hill. One of them dramatically falls and nearly crashes into you. It manages to stand itself up, but starts sparking from the side. It looks at you and says, Destruction of property is prohibited, and starts blasting shots at you. So I have to fight a lone Buster T5. I believe the stats even consider its damage because it only has 8 hit points, a low defense, and it doesn't deal a whole lot of damage, so it should be pretty quick for me to dispatch. But just hearing that sound, the words that echoed before my brother's death, I think, trigger an anger in my character. It attacks first, it's going to shoot, and of course I roll a 6, so I take the full amount of damage. However, that's only 6. And, because of my light shoes, I have another plus one to defense, meaning my defense is six. So I actually take no damage from this, as I manage to get my shield up and take the brunt of this laser shot. I'm going to immediately rush forward and slash at this Buster T5. And I'm going to use the dodge and strike action, because if I succeed at it, then I have mastered the tech skill one. I get to roll 3d6. And I just need to roll a 5 or lower, so. I easily succeed. I dodge. I strike. It adds plus 2 to my damage with my laser sword, which would bring that up to 10. It has 2 defense and 8 hit points, or actually 2 less because of the radio tower. So easily just stick the laser arm sword into this Buster T5, and it just slowly powers down. I do get to roll 3d6 to see what rewards I get from this Buster T5, so let's see what we got. The special reward would be two spare parts, but I didn't even roll high enough for that. I just got 10 on 3d6, and as lame as this may be, I'm going to take six bitliths. If I ever run into another village, I might be able to get that last tech skill I can purchase, or maybe another treasure map that'll get me something more useful. So. Yeah, we'll say that for some reason. Some coins fall out of this robot. That night, I heal back up to full hit points and energy points thanks to my improved camping gear, and my engineered plant, five days later, strangely bears a brand new fruit. I've yet to eat the two glowing fruits, but I think tonight I would try one and find that it tastes just fine. I don't feel sick in the morning or overnight or anything like that, and I wake up in these mountains, listening to hear which way the god has begun moving on day 41. So let's roll to see that. The god is putting distance between the two of us. It heads to the southeast, and I'm going to head to the west. Rolling 46, I find myself in forests and encounter ruins in the form of what would have been a three for the old gas station that we encountered a while back now. So instead, because it is an odd result, we're going to go down one to the fourth ruins, which says the Brutalist Church. 
Nearly invisible among the trees, you discover a concrete building with a bold organic shape. The stained glass windows have all been shattered. Nature has crawled inside, covering the pews and walls with vines and greenery. You notice a donation bowl holding four bitliths. I have learned my lesson about taking bitliths from any of these shrines and churches and things like that. So, no, I do not. And this actually has a prompt, so I need to go and see what my restraint is going to get me here. And it says, you leave the coins and walk up to the roof. You camp up there beneath the stars tonight. You dream about a depressed preacher. He uses his phone to call his god, but Alora answers instead. You look at his phone and see four white eyes looking back. And just because I'm curious, if I'd taken them, there would have been a robot fight, which I would have been able to handle, but you know what? I've learned my lesson. And that brings us to the last day of our two-week chunk here for Session 3 of Miru 1, and I'm going to continue heading west, and let's see where the god is going, if they are coming closer or staying away. Of course, they are continuing to move south into a region I have not really gone into yet, and has gotten quite a bit away from me. I think that Alora is communicating to me in other ways, through this obelisk and my dream with the phone and the four eyes. And having heard her say, at the obelisk, I am always with you, it doesn't matter how far physically apart my character is from this robot god, he can almost feel her presence waiting for him. And it never feels far away. Let's see what the last hex we're going to explore today is. Rolling 46. Oh yeah, back to the episode 1 classic. We're in swamps. We came from mountains down to forests, and the topography just keeps going lower and lower until we hit some waterlogged forest, some swamp. We rolled a 3 for our event, which says impassable. The water is too high. Alligators own this land. Backtrack to camp and start the day over. Oh, so see, here I was trying to be all clever and be like, last hex we're going to explore, except we do get to roll again. So instead, we will venture to the northwest. And I'm just going to roll all 46 over again, just to be fair. And this is more forest. And I've rolled very low on the events, which actually says nothing. Or page 46. Interesting. So this says, the forest is usually full of danger, but not today. You find three fruit. Or I can find a cave. The Cave of Shinda. Oh, we're definitely doing that. And it's kind of cheating, but I think we're going to do that next time. We will start the next session exploring the Cave of Shinda. But as always, I will read the little bit of the blurb to leave on an exciting cliffhanger. After an incredibly dangerous brush with the robot god earlier in the week, I have fled north and attempted to make distance between the two of us. Eventually, I find mountains and forests. I'm driven away from a swamp into another section of the forest where, as I'm searching for a place to camp for the night in these woods, 
I find the entrance to an old subway tunnel. It's dark, but I have a good feeling there's something down there. Either safety or something to be found. And this episode ends as I cautiously descend the viney overgrowth of a subway tunnel. Thank you all so much for joining me in another episode of Playing With Myself on the Internet as I am playing through Miru 1. I'm very excited to do these extra, I think these are maybe stretch goals as part of the Kickstarter, these mini adventures within the game. So I'm excited to see how this works. But I hope that you are enjoying it. I hope that these experiences are showing you how much fun you can have just rolling a few dice, consulting some tables, and playing a game all on your lonesome. If you like what we do, you know, like us, follow us, subscribe, whatever you like. We always get excited about any little new people following us on social medias or reaching out to us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. It's always just very exciting. We just love playing games. We'd love to play games with all of you, but we can at least provide examples of games that might pique your interest, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Stay tuned. Amber did finally just finish her prologue for Thousand Year Old Vampire, which apparently is quite long, and she is very excited and very dedicated to this game, and I'm very excited to see how we're going to put together a letter-writing game of a bunch of misfit vampires on revenge and redemption quests and things like that. Definitely come hang out with us on every other Friday on Twitch, where we're playing through RuneQuest Six Seasons in Sartar. This campaign has gotten us a lot of people who, from that community, are really, really invested in the game, and we love being able to interact with everybody and talk about this classic game that has come out with a new edition that is very, very cool. And yes, as always, I guess I should apologize for some things, but in this session, I don't know. This session felt like it was going very quickly, and then very poorly, and then very confusing, and it's definitely got that there's a time element to this game, there is danger in any given hex at any given time, no matter how comfortable you feel like you're getting. So, until next time, keep it all in perspective. Have a great night. Game on. Keep it in perspective. More like, maybe don't rush headlong into a fight with a god.